The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. Well, 1974, the Chrysler Company wanted to introduce two new vehicles, the Chrysler New Yorker and the Chrysler Cordoba. Did anybody here own a Cordoba or a New Yorker? No, you didn't. You didn't go? Okay, well... Uh, that's all right. Well, they wanted to impress upon us the quality of the materials in these vehicles, right? And so you probably, if you were around in the 70s, you know the 70s and early 80s. If you weren't there, you didn't miss much. But anyway, but, um, no, the 70s and 80s were pretty cool. Great music. But uh, in 1974, they brought in famous television and Hollywood actor Ricardo Montalban. Remember him? Oh, Khan from Star Trek II, you know, the, uh, the primordial Star Trek, um, and also uh, Fantasy Island, welcome to Fantasy Island, you know, all that stuff. Well, they brought in Ricardo Montalban, and they really needed to move these cars, and so they wanted to impress upon us the quality of the materials in these cars, and so Ricardo Montalban would come on, he would say that they would have the very finest of the interiors possible, the finest of materials, and of course, the seats were trimmed in rich Corinthian leather. You know why I say that? Because we heard it for nine years. Ricardo Montalban saying, oh, yes, the Cordoba does this, does that, does that, does this. But it has rich Corinthian leather. And we were so impressed by it. And we thought, hey, if I'm going to make that half-block drive down to the supermarket, I'm going to sit and be surrounded by rich Corinthian leather. <laughs> well, as time came by, what was the truth about rich Corinthian leather? It wasn't a thing. It was absolutely made up. The seats on these cars were made from good old-fashioned American cowhide that they've just worked over a thousand times. And so as it turned out, Corinth is not known for its leather products, is it? Either in ancient days or today. And so it came out to be a hollow promise. It wasn't true. They didn't follow through because there's no such thing. Well, today... We're going to look at how Paul wanted the church in Corinth to be known for something that was not just a, uh, a false promise they wouldn't deliver on. They wanted, he wanted the Corinthian church to come through on something that was real, that they would really be known for. And so what it was was their readiness to actually cheerfully give. Now, they, he wanted them to follow through and be the real thing when it came to giving. And so we're going to continue our study in, uh, this, in uh, 2 Corinthians in a series of messages uh, we've been calling Of Good Courage. And uh, so in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we want to consider how to be ready, to have, have the courage to be ready to give cheerfully. And so my prayer is, uh, is, is that as a result of this time in God's word, uh, we'll be so thrilled with the grace of God as expressed to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ We'll not just want to think about giving, have good feelings about giving, but we're going to want to actually follow through and always be ready to give with real, real joy, real cheerfulness, so that we can know a legacy of God's glory in our lives. Now, oh, by the way, if you are visiting today, uh, we're not expecting you to give as a result of this message. <laughs> no, we just want you to sit back and receive today. This is, this is for the uh, members and friends of uh, Fountain of Life. So, how do we find the courage to be ready to give cheerfully? 
let's find it together by thinking about three things. The importance of actually giving, the source of cheerful giving, the legacy of cheerful giving. Again, that's the importance of actually giving, the source of cheerful giving, and the legacy of cheerful giving. Now, what's the first thing to be ready to give cheerfully? Well, of course, it's, I said, the importance of actually giving. Now, we can't just want to do the right thing. We can't just want it. We can't just feel it. We we have to follow through. Now, uh, Paul's been writing to the Corinthians. In chapter 8, he was telling them, uh, hey, I've been bragging about you. I told you about we're going to do this collection for the saints in Jerusalem, and you were excited about it because um, you start out with this great desire, and Paul said, hey, I know you do a lot of things really well. He told them in uh, chapter 8, verse 7, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and because I love you, excel in this act also. Now, the Corinthians started out with really great motives, apparently, because uh, uh, they had told Paul they were excited about it, they are really earnest about it, But somewhere along the line, they got sidetracked. They weren't going to follow through for some reason. And and, uh, Paul got word of this. And so Paul writes to them to let them know that, um, hey, I've been boasting about you guys, about your readiness to give to the collection for the believers in Jerusalem to all the folks, including these people here in Macedonia. And uh, so I've been telling them that you guys are ready. You guys are passionate. You guys are so ready to go. But then he gets concerned because the Corinthians might not come through. So he writes in chapter 9, verse 3, But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. Well, what's going to happen to Paul and the Corinthians if they don't follow through on this collection for the saints? Well, Paul says it pretty plainly there. He says humiliation and embarrassment. Most of all, in front of the Macedonians. Now, the Macedonians, uh, the church up north, They've been going through a really hard time. They weren't as prosperous as the church in Corinth, were they? They even begged Paul to give to this uh, contribution, this collection for the saints in Jerusalem. And Paul probably easily could have said, hey guys, you're struggling yourselves. You could get a pass on this one. Don't worry about it. But they begged to be part of the collection because they were excited because they'd heard the Corinthians were so excited. So now what would happen if now if a couple of the Macedonians show up with Paul and a couple of the brothers and then the Corinthians say, collection? What collection? That would be major embarrassment. And so I want to ask you, um, have you ever had a great idea to give something? Have you ever saw a need in the body of Christ and you said, wow, that's a real need. I've got something I could do to give to that need. And then you let it just sit there. It fell through the cracks. Has that ever happened to you? I've done that. 
I've done that. It's my own version of Corinthian leather. It was, it was a great idea. Had all the ideas and stuff like that, but it didn't become real. Well, so we need to work at actually giving and following through. And, and we're not talking about just money here. Um, we're to give the gospel to people. We're here to give, give our, we can give our time or we can do nice things, a listening ear, a hand to hold, a hug. Those are all things that we can give to do an act of grace within the body of Christ, to be ready to give. Because it's, it's how we express our love to one another in the body of Christ. You know, I'm always reminded, um, you know, as a husband and father, that uh, there are really only three ways to say I love you. You can say it to the people around you. Can, you can say it, you can write it, you can sing it. And I'm not going to sing it right now. <laughs> There's three ways you can do it, but there are a million ways to do I love you. And what Paul wants the Corinthians and what the message is for us today is that we can do it. We, can, we need to follow through on our acts of grace towards one another. So move beyond the actions, move beyond the feelings to action because we've got a wonderful example. Did Jesus Christ just feel love for us and stay in heaven? No. He followed through. He came to earth, born as a child. He showed us what God the Father was like. He lived the perfect life that we could not. He bore our sins on the cross, and he paid our debt by dying on the cross for us, and he rose from the grave, proving that his, uh, his payment was perfect and complete for all time. And so now, he rose from the grave. He calls men and women, girls and boys, to trust in him and receive his salvation by grace, by grace through faith in him. And so now then, if you know this grace of his salvation, his abundant giving, his abundant grace to you, he shows how he follows through because God followed through for us. And uh, so that's why we need to follow through and actually give so we can be ready to cheerfully give when we embrace the importance of actually giving, following through because God does. And secondly, we need to rely and give generously what we've received when we look at the source of cheerful giving. That's the source of cheerful giving. What or who is our source? God. God and his abundant grace. Um, let me ask you, how big is God's supply of grace in your life? How big is it? Huge. Yeah, great. Amen. Now, how much do you think God wants us to give his love and the grace he's put into our lives into brothers and sisters and the people around us? How much do you think he wants us to give? Huge. And so, and Paul, so Paul writes in verse 6 of chapter 9, he says, he gets kind of to the point of the chapter, the main point. We've heard this verse a lot in, over our lives. He says in verse 6, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 
Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, why does Paul give a real simplistic kindergarten lesson on how farmers go about deciding how much crop they want to produce? Well, it's a simple idea. Or he says, you know, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. And if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. The answer is pretty simple for you and me. You pick the harvest. You get to decide from the grace that God's given you and the love he's given you and the blessings he's given you, how much do you want to see that bear fruit in other people's lives? You get to make that determination. No one's going to draw it out of you, um, hold, you hold it over your head by guilt or something like that. It's something you have the power to decide to do. And God wants it that way. Because whatever you do for, in love in Jesus' name, God is going to make it grow. You can trust him to do that. But uh, since you get to pick the harvest, you decide what happens. If you give a little, you get a little. If you give a lot, you get a lot. And like I said, since everything is a gift from God and he makes whatever love you give in his name grow, why not? Give happily to uplift the people in God's family around you. Now, uh, do we need to say anything about doing things cheerfully when we do an, give an act of grace to people? Do we, you know, it's, it's kind of implied here. It's like, a, you know, it's the difference between someone who will say, eh, praise God, because I'm supposed to, here, have a popsicle. <laughs> or someone who will say, because God's blessed me, and I really care about you, here, have a dove bar. Yeah. It's a difference, huge difference. So we can give a lot because we'll experience more of God's grace and it'll make us want to be more generous. But what if I'm afraid to give? Well, let me ask you, if you're afraid to give, do you trust God's word? Well, Paul writes in chapter 8, he says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in not one, not some, but every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. You can give because God has given to you freely already. What, think about it. What blessings has God given you? And do you have a particular burden or concern for a part of the body of Christ? Whatever God has given you, you can apply to that need. And God's going to follow through. So if you have something that will minister, what's stopping you today? What's stopping me for doing that act of grace that will bless the people that I'm concerned about with what God has given me and God is going to supply more so I can meet that need. In verse 10, Paul continues uh, to reassure us by saying, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Well, we can be cheerful and we can give generously because, well, God has given us the Son, Jesus Christ. He's given us everything else. 
He's given us the promise that when you give what God has given you, there will be a harvest. There will be a harvest. So give generously so that your harvest in your life is big. You know, we've heard the phrase, go big or go home. Well, give big so you can bring home. So we can be ready to give cheerfully by understanding the importance of actually giving. Don't just feel it, but follow through. And trust the source of cheerful giving that God and his abundant, never-ending supply of grace and blessings in your life to you through Jesus Christ will lead to how God wants to make you ready to give cheerfully because he wants to build the legacy of cheerful giving in your life. The legacy of cheerful giving. Well, what is a legacy? Well, it's, it's what people remember you for. You know, okay, LeBron James. What's his legacy? Greatest basketball player who ever lived, right? Well, that is until the new high school gym rat comes up and totally blows his socks off, right? Uh, Tom Brady, greatest quarterback who ever lived. Okay, so maybe there's some Corinthian leather in that statement. Maybe not. No, but uh, like we're talking about this morning, we want to build a legacy that's real, that's going to last. And so that's what God wants to build in our lives. And uh, what does that look like? What's, what's our legacy going to look like? Well, Paul gives us an example. He kind of sets the goal for us by letting us know, here's what I want you to shoot for, guys, if you want to leave a legacy of cheerful giving from your life. He writes, starting in verse 12, For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity, your follow-through, of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. And then he says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Now Paul's hope is that the Corinthians would experience a legacy of God's glory in their lives. Now what was their legacy for the Corinthians? It was to follow through on their giving. People knew about how they could speak so eloquently about the gospel. They could tell you about apologetics. They could talk about being earnest for the gospel and things like that. But he wanted them also to have a legacy of giving. And so what does that mean for us? Well, will people thank God for what we give as a church? Will people remember this church for what we've given for the gospel in the name of Jesus Christ? And what about us as individuals today? After we all graduate to heaven, which we will, <laughs> what are people going to remember for us, from, about our lives 40, 50, 100 years from now? We get to choose what that legacy is. And uh, I'm so thankful to be a member of our church because there are just some wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ who have built a legacy and left a legacy. Not too long ago, um, we celebrated the life of uh, Irene. 
And uh, I'm so thankful for her. And she, to me, exemplifies this last portion of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I say thank God for Irene. Her legacy, um, every Sunday, it was a warm smile. It was a hello. It was a hug. It was an embrace. And she was always doing things, getting things ready. And if you had a chance to be here during the prayer time at 9.15, uh, you're welcome every Sunday. Come join us and pray. It was just a wonder. It's an honor. It was an honor to pray with her because she would thank God for his blessings every single week. And, and, so, and it just encouraged me so tremendously. And uh, as a result of her life uh, at, the, at the celebration, it was so wonderful to hear from her kids and her grandkids about the acts of grace that she gave in Jesus' name throughout her entire life that made such a powerful impression on them. Um, and they know she's in heaven. They know she's right now worshiping and smiling at her Savior in heaven. And now as a result of her life, they say, hopefully, their legacy, they'll create a legacy of their own in Jesus Christ because of what Irene showed them. And of course, her guy is a big helper in that too. He's no slouch in his own right. John blesses me tremendously every week. So thankful for him. Creating a legacy because of the, they've experienced so much grace of God in their life, they generously give it away. And there's a lot many more of you uh, in this fellowship that also uh, are tremendous examples to me of uh, giving, of the grace that God God's given to you. So think about this. What will your legacy be? Do you want to leave a godly legacy? Would you like to leave a godly legacy? Okay, how do I start today? Well, first of all, to leave a godly legacy of generous giving, of what Christ has given you, do you know God's love in the gospel? Start there. I invite you to start today. Turn your life back towards God. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Believe that God the Father expressed his grace and love for you through his son, Jesus Christ, who came and paid the full cost of your sins on the cross. He rose again, and because he lives and you trust in him, you're forgiven of all your sins for all time. You are a new creation. You are a loved child of God with full access to the love of God the Father. In Willy Wonka terms, you get the golden ticket. You get the cosmic all-time uber golden ticket because God is your daddy. You can start there. And you are experiencing and receiving his abundant grace in Jesus Christ. Now, if you do know God's love in the gospel, well, let me ask you, do you love like Jesus did? Do you make it more than just a feeling? Do you follow through on giving? And again, the giving includes, it's, you know, it's money, but also giving the gospel, your time, your skills, your acts of kindness. Do you live knowing the importance of actually giving? And then giving because you cheerfully, you give cheerfully because you know you're fully tapped in to, to the conduit, or tapped into the source of cheerful giving, which is God, through faith in the Son. And then you can build a legacy of cheerful giving that gives the glory to God. And again, Paul concludes the chapter, 
by saying, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Will people say that about our church? Do you want people to say that about you? So let's have the courage to be ready to give cheerfully because of the grace that we have received through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for this time in your word. Lord, I pray that you would impress upon us how much you've richly blessed us and that we can decide what kind of a harvest we want to have in our lives because we're going to sow to the people around us your love and your grace. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.